Hey, everybody, welcome to the Mastering Beauty Podcast, where every Sunday we'll bring you brilliant guests to share their best advice around building sustainable, successful, and satisfying careers. Mastering Beauty is brought to you by the BeautyCast Network, a digital platform committed to supporting students and new professionals in their search for the first ideal career opportunity in beauty, barbering, wellness, and massage. I'm Gordon Miller, CEO of BeautyCast Network and your podcast host. And this week, I am most excited to be joined by my great friend and the founder of Passion Squared, Nina Kovner. Nina is known throughout the industry as a leading business coach, author, inspiring educator, and thought leader in all things marketing. She is the former longtime senior marketing executive at one of the very biggest brands in pro beauty. I am most excited to welcome to the podcast, Passion Squared's Nina Kovner. Thank you, Gordon. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so grateful to be here with you because we get to rack up another podcast together and <laughs> and, and you and I have done your podcast, uh, which I'll ask you to, to, to mention in a moment. You've done my many podcasts and now you are here for our newest podcast, Mastering Beauty with Beautycast Network. Thank you for being here. It's an honor and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, and your podcast. Let's mention it really fast because I love it. I, I always encourage you to do it more often, but tell the audience about your podcast. Uh, the Passion Square podcast is called People, Passion, Purpose. And, you know, it's really just ideas, insights, people sharing stories around creative small businesses and the struggles and the joys and all the things. Uh, yeah. And it's available wherever you enjoy your podcast. <laughs> I know that was not like a good pitch. It was, uh, it was, I'll, I'll, add, I'll, <laughs> I'll add to the pitch. Everybody needs to follow Passion Squared. Everybody needs okay. to check out all of, all of your content <laughs> because, because it is something that I think is invaluable to professionals of every age and regardless of business models, regardless of kind of where you are, it, it, it's a great resource. So, so thank, thank you for you. doing it. Thank you for sharing. I know you're really passionate about sharing and we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do some sharing today. But so the first thing I'm asking every guest to share is kind of best advice that anybody's ever given you at any point in your career and or life relative to having a long and successful career. I'm sure I've gotten a lot of awesome advice over the years. But when you say that, one of the best pieces of advice I received was there was a, a moment in my old exec days where somebody was kind of like trying to like stir up shit about me and someone called me a bitch. Ooh, huge mistake on many levels. <laughs> like, but not to my face. They went to the owner of the company and were like complaining and saying I was a bitch. Anyways, so the amazing owner of the company, the most amazing human, came into my office and said, look, I would rather have a passionate bitch working for me than somebody that doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's advice, but it's a great I story. Think it was. I, I, think, I think it was in the sense that um, sometimes people confuse passion and being a bitch, particularly with women and female identifying people. You know, I mean, the corporate world is a corporate world. The patriarchy is the patriarchy, no matter what. Right. And so it really gave me the confidence to stay true to my passion and my authenticity and how I went after 
um, the things that I was responsible for and the attention and dedication that I had. And if some people want to see that as being a bitch, I'm just going to keep doing my job the best I can and stay kind, right? Stay kind. Um, But don't let someone knock you down just because they are threatened by your energy. Love that. That, And that is great advice. And and you have been so authentic. You know, you and I have known each other for a very long time. And you've always been you, you know, and I, I love that so much about you professionally, you know, and personally. And, you know, I would say in, in recent years in particular, the, our topic today, mental health, has been very, very big. And you've been so transparent about your life and, and your struggles and, and, and how you have um, coped with everything that's been thrown your way. And I, I, I don't think there's anybody who speaks to this issue more powerfully in the industry than you. And as somebody who's been listening to everybody talk about how to build great careers uh, for most of my career, uh, it's, it's a topic that rarely has been touched on. And I just think it's so important. So I'm thrilled to have you here today to talk about this issue. Thank you. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because there, there's there's generational influences, right? So I'm I'm an elder Gen X and it certainly wasn't something that we talked about or addressed. It didn't matter. It literally did not matter. And that's not that long ago because I mean, even in the latter days of my former career, um, it was not talked about. And when I made the decision, the very quick, shocking decision to to many um, to enter treatment in 2007, it wasn't even talked about when I returned. Like, that's not that long ago, you know? And, And so I continue to be inspired and motivated by the openness that the younger generations have around mental health and wellness. It still, though, is such a teeny, teeny, teeny thing in the big scheme of things. So, yeah, you know, it's we still sweep this stuff under the rug. It's there's still stigma there. there, There's all of those things. And a lot of the work that I do with my clients in leadership development is is particularly leading different generations because, you know, Every generation since the beginning of time is like, you know, struggled with understanding the generation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, after them, whatever. Absolutely. And, and, and so, you know, mental health and wellness is, is a, a global shift. It's a global trend in the workspace, in life, in, in everything, right? And so I do a lot of work with, with our clients around this because even though we can like talk about it and post like quotes about it and like say like erase the stigma, hashtag, hashtag. The the truth is, is that most people have no idea what folks are going through, nor do they have any idea how to fucking handle. I mean, honestly, so, so it's like, there's that, you know, so there's like, you can care, but like, if you don't get it, 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 it doesn't matter. And so it's just like anything, you know, it, it, I think sometimes it takes something happening close to home for people to be like, oh, this is an issue. Or, you know, like when people get shocked when a celebrity takes their own life and they're shocked. And I'm like, I am so not shocked. Like I see the signs everywhere, but then I'm I'm there. Like I I share their experience, you know. For people like myself that struggle with just the deepest, darkest depressions, we can see that in, you know, in other people, whereas folks that haven't had those experiences tend to be like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. 
and this could be family. This is not just the workspace family, whatever. Yep, yep. And so, you know, there, there's a responsibility, I believe, to if you are in a leadership position that you begin to to uh, gather resources to help educate you. No, you're not going to save the person. No, you're not going to do anything like that. However, the workspace, we spend a lot of time there, right? And so there are ways to create a safer workspace, a more welcoming workspace, a workspace that's kind and, and a culture that is supportive and also helps connect us to resources when we are in some sort of distress, one thing in particular that that I've shared with with our clients, actually, a client shared this with me years ago when it first came out, and I wish I could remember who it was because I would give them a shout out. However, Lady Gaga has um, Lady Gaga's mom um, has the Born This Way Foundation, and the Born This Way Foundation partnered with um, a few other organizations to create the Be There Certificate. Be There Certificate. And it's a mental health educational program. It's free. You take it online. It is phenomenal because it gives you not only context and understanding when someone is in distress, whether it's anxiety, depression, whatever, um, but also like how to talk to these people, how to support them, how to connect them to resources without trying to save them, which we can't, we, you can't save me. I mean, as much as we've talked about my distress, particularly these last four years, um, you can't save me. And you know that, you know, and so I think sometimes we kind of freeze up because we're like, I can't, I, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to like bring them into my home? It's like, no, <laughs> mm-hmm. no. Yep. healthy boundaries, healthy boundaries. But also there are so many resources that you can can you know connect people to so anyways that i just that was like such a big run-on sentence um to say that we've come a long way and also there's a we got a lot further to go for people to erase the stigma and you know i you and i on so many topics one of our favorite words is context (laughs) <laughs> and and we, we use it, it it applies to so many things in, in our lives in our work you know in our careers and when we think about mental health i think often these conversations some people immediately have the reaction of oh i'm I, i'm fine so i don't i don't need to really pay attention um and perhaps let's let's assume they are you know that they're not dealing with anything in it but as an industry that comes in contact with people every single day you know, we don't know who's going to be coming in and what challenges they may have in life and how that could impact the engagement we're having with them. And, you know, um, a lot to I'm going to ask you to speak to what we should be concerned about, perhaps, but also and then our coworkers. And I think going back to something you said earlier about the stigma, you know, there and as a, as gay people, I think we understand, you know, the closet <laughs> and, you know, and and how people hide things and, and for all mm-hmm. kinds of reasons, mostly out of fear. And um, so I think sometimes our coworkers can be challenged and we don't realize it. And so, and again, then there's awareness of our own mental health. So I'm throwing a lot at you, but let's talk, let's talk context for a moment as it relates to the salon. I, I, first of all, I think we also have to understand the difference between real mental health issues and just everyday struggles that are not fun, but not going to put you in a medical situation. So there's a lot of anxiety in the salon that's not necessarily like a diagnosis of anxiety and panic disorder. 
look, working on the public, especially when you're just getting started and some of this pressure and stress that comes from a salon environment in terms of how the experience timing is structured and all the requirements put on an individual stylist to, you know, the consultation and the experience and the education and gathering content and reserving future appointments and, you know, so there's a lot of pressure. So there's that, which is easily remedied, right? Through looking at the current system you have in the salon and is it wellness focused, you know? Um, Is there water and really nutritious high protein snacks in the um, team room, whatever you want to call it. Uh, So there's just little things, you know, like that. But then there's the actual like real, real problems. And and I think that it kind of goes back to educating yourself so you can know what to do when you identify that someone may be in distress. And just knowing that um, someone is a safe person, um, that someone is a compassionate person, because typically that's not what happens. What happens is And what's very triggering for a lot of people, myself included, is um, the toxic positivity when people think that depression is just sadness or negativity, which it's not. And so it's like, cheer up, Nina. And it's like, I can't even tell you what that does to my nervous system. Like, I would like, I don't want to hear that yet. Not helpful, not helping, not one bit. In fact, it's hurtful. And it reminds me that people don't understand. And I'm alone in this because nobody fucking understands. I think that is quite common with people like myself. And it couldn't, it may not just be, it may not be depression. It could be complex grief and trauma, which, you know, I experienced the last few years. So, you know, there's a lot of different layers to this. It's not always chemical. It's not always, and again, I'm not a doctor. I'm only going off my own lived experience. So, Uh, anyways, I think the thing that helps us so much is when we know that there's somebody that knows what to say and knows what to do and is a safe person to talk to. And that kind of goes back to that be there certificate that I honestly feel is like one of the best things I've ever seen. Um, and I've seen a lot, you know, I've been in, in this world, I'm passionate about this world because of my own recovery. And so I've seen a lot of things and I've been to the best treatment center in the world twice now. Um, So yeah, this, this is about who can I talk to that is safe. And by safe, I mean, that isn't going to try to solve my problems. That is just someone that can maybe just hold some space with me while I I'm having a moment or whatever, because we don't reach out because people don't understand that's triggering. We don't reach out in the workplace because we're scared we're going to get fired, which a lot of people are scared they're going to get fired, even if they're not having any mental distress. You know, there's a dynamic there that that's not healthy. You know, it's not great. And it's something that, of course, we always want to be continually working on to build trust with the teams that we work with. So they do feel safe in saying, you know what? I'm going through it. Like, I don't know what's going on, but like, I can't barely get out of bed. And I, I'm not asking you to solve my problem, but I am asking for some compassion and understanding 
and help in finding some resources. Is that something that you can do for me? Is there a possibility of taking a short leave of absence? Like what can I have an extra day off this, you know, whatever, but generally uh, folks will just sit in it because that just seems unimaginable that we would approach a leader and I'm generalizing, obviously there's amazing leaders and that have a very deep understanding of this, but generally, you know, um, and like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell them that I'm struck. Like there's so many reasons why we just wouldn't. And on the other hand, you know, from a, from a management perspective, when someone comes to us with a healthcare physical issue, mm, very go- different got COVID, got the flu, mm-hmm. um, whatever it may be that's physical, um, yep. might be aggravating, you know, to management, might be inconvenient to coworkers, but we kind of know what to do. And, and I would say most employers do it. And here's this other category that deserves the same kind of respect and treatment you would have sure. for anything that gets in the way. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Talk for a moment about the client in the chair, you know, talking about, you know, people sensitivity. So, so, you know, a, a client, we have these very short amounts of time with, we, we often don't have a relationship. It could be a walk-in, could be a first timer. Um, they aren't going to really have any sensitivities to much. We often talk about the, how clients just leave us with a lot of baggage. Sometimes we hear conversations, mm. we, you know, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, we, we take stuff with us. And again, I think a person who, who may, you know, have some mental health challenges they're dealing with just, you know, going through life, you know, doing their job. How do you deal with client situations that perhaps can trigger something? I mean, is, is it about finding your way to knowing what the triggers are? I, I know there's, you can take this in many directions. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. Yeah, you really can. It, 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 there's, there's a, a few dynamics here. One is our own energy regulation, right? And it, whether we're working with the public or not, we, need to learn how to regulate our energy and we need to learn how to protect our energy. And when I was in treatment the first time in back in 2007, one of the exercises we did, which has been invaluable to me my entire life since, is a, 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 a visual uh, boundary. And the visual boundary is designed to, they're healthy boundaries, but it's it's not like it's in your mind, right? And it's to use when you are thinking you may be in a a little dicey or, you know, situation where you may not be able to protect yourself or feel completely safe. And, and so I actually use this all the time because especially when I'm struggling, which again, I have been in quite a lot of distress the last few years, but I'm still working. I'm still showing up for our clients. I'm, Still doing all that. So I have to do this a lot, but let me just quickly explain. So the idea here is to, to, you know, close your eyes and to imagine what like a beautiful, safe, cozy, comforting uh, boundary would look like healthy boundary, meaning it's not a wall. It's not solid. It's not concrete. It is permeable, but it is protecting. And so the one that I designed in my mind back then was a bamboo wall, a bamboo wall, meaning it's nice and protective, but it has space. It's permeable. So I'm not putting up walls. I'm doing this boundary. And I had some fairly uh, abusive family member 
uh, member, a fa- very abusive family member that I had to at some point interact with again after treatment. And what they recommended I do, and I did all the time, is I would drive up to the, their house. And then I before I got out of my car, I would put this boundary, this safety, um, this visual around me. And it just reminded me that you know, I'm safe. First of all, I'm safe and that I'm going to be present, but I am not going to get, you know, let anyone completely like, you know, ooze their energy into, into my, into my space. So going back to it, clients, I mean, it's not just clients with mental health issues. It's clients, it's just energy in general that you're picking up on all day. I recommend a visual boundary for sure. Um, I also recommend, and this was long before the pandemic, I also recommend creating more space in between clients. Mm. You know, I know everyone got all excited about sanitation <laughs> <laughs> and all that. And I'm going to add an extra 15 minutes in between appointments for sanitation. And it's like, how about your own sanitation? Like you have to clear your energy. You need to ground yourself. And so whether it's a physical, like walking out or whether it's, you know, some sort of like crystals and sprays or whatever, or a quick three minute headspace um, app meditation, whatever it is you need to, you need to clear because we typically can take on an individual's energy, but when we take on one individual, then another individual, then another, and we start to get like really, really messed up. So uh, I I'm a big believer in creating more space for yourself and not like an hour. I understand like the way this business works mm-hmm, very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, not only can you be there more for yourself, you can also be there more for a client. So with that all being said, one of the other really important tools is actual healthy boundaries and healthy boundaries are designed to um, create create connection and also to create space, right? And so, if a cl- if a client is talking about a topic that is hurtful, that's harmful, that is something you are not comfortable with, then you just set a healthy boundary with that and redirect the conversation. We do not need to absorb this stuff. I know it's difficult. I get it. I I look. I work with people all day, every day, and. Sometimes they're in distress. I get DMs from people that are in severe mental distress, not just business distress, you know? So I understand in it, it's very, it's, it's hard, but it's a simple practice. And just like anything, the more we practice, the more we're able to grab the tools in our toolbox when we need them, stay self-aware and alert enough to know what's going on and to do everything in our ability to make this person feel loved and safe and seen and supported. And most of the time, it's just listening like anything. We don't have to respond. We don't have to solve. We're not there to solve their problems of their whole life. We're there to solve some problems, but not all their problems because we can't do that, right? That's not possible. So, again, another very, a long run on sentence to say healthy boundaries are your bestie in these situations and in, of course, business and in life. (laughs) 
Well, you know, and I, again, when I think about the salon, we talk so much about, you know, the physical challenges of having a long career in the salon and how important it is that we take care of our bodies, that we hydrate, you know, all the day-to-day stuff, but, but long-term. And then, you know, I, I think so many people come into the industry, you know, physically in, in, a, in a good place, in an okay place. And then over time, things can wear out. And if we're not doing kind of preventative work, it could be a challenge. I'm assuming for many mental health, there's a continuum, I would assume, um, both of what's going on, but then also a continuum of time, you know, and and a person who maybe has not um, had whatever that moment is that that, um, perhaps is a defining moment where they understand there's, there's an issue. The salon, maybe over time, can be part of making it more difficult. Does that make sense? I, you know, that's an interesting question because I, I think it really depends on the individual and the circumstance. For me, one of the things that's kept me above ground these last few years is taking care of my clients. It's been one of my greatest joys and it's given me a reason to get out of bed. Uh, I think for some people, the salon could be that same thing. It's it's an actual escape. It's like, let me get out of my own head. Let me be of service. I love this. Now, again, everyone's going to be everyone's going to be different. But mental health hygiene is absolutely essential of every day. Right. And healthy boundaries help. What I find mostly with um people that have been in the industry a very long time, and if they've had difficulty in healthy boundary setting, they, and it's not just the hair industry, it's like us as a world. The more we live a boundaryless life, the more resentment builds, anger builds, and then we explode. We get burnout, we explode, we start feeling all sorts of things. So I think some of the burnout, and you said not physical, we understand the physical part. I think some of the emotional burnout and the mental burnout is, is a lack of healthy boundaries. This is a fairly short podcast, so we're we're coming up on time. Um, and this isn't uh, we could do many many episodes, and and I yeah. have to I have to right now invite you back for a part two because there, mm. I, I, I have so many notes here that I I, I do want to get into, <laughs> and so part part two must come and it, it must come relatively quickly. Um, but second question I'm asking every guest because I think it can be so powerful, and that's to switch gears a tiny bit and and get into the best advice based on your long career um, and, and knowing the industry so well and, and coming at it from so many different directions, what would be your best advice to a professional at any age um, to, to have the best chance for a long and successful career? Well, one of the things that I believe and in my experience I've seen is focusing on the experience you deliver and doing everything in your power to stay consistent with that. Because this business is a simple one. It really is. Awesome experiences delivered consistently create awesome long-term business. There's a lot of layers that have been thrown into this industry that I think confuse a lot of people. Well, I don't think I know. Confuse a lot of people, distract a lot of people. But at the end of the day, online or off, offline or on, it all goes back to we are a service industry. And delivering awesome experiences consistently is going to keep you in business, whichever way you want to be. However, any you will thrive if you stay focused on that. Great advice, as always. And 
to anybody who's listening, you know, be sure you follow Passion Squared uh, on all platforms, including passionsquared.net, your website. We've got all kinds of resources. And again, Nina Kovner's my dearest friend in the entire world. I will, I will be transparent and say that. And um, so I, I, I'm a little bit biased, um, but the industry's not. And the, the kudos <laughs> that I get from all angles about Nina are just long and never ending. So I recommend everybody follow her. And um, again, going to have you back really soon. So Nina Kovner, Passion Squared, thank you so much for being our guest today on the Mastering Beauty Podcast. Thank you, Gordon. It's an honor. And let me close by adding that if you like the podcast, please hit the like button, subscribe, leave a review, or better yet, share it. And be sure to stay tuned every Sunday for all new episodes. Again, I'm Gordon Miller, and this has been the Mastering Beauty Podcast from BeautyCast Network. Beauty Cast Network.